Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Good morning, church. Good to see you. Thanks. I was going to say, like, okay. Those of you online, we're so glad that you are joining with us. And if maybe if you're watching this or listening to this, those of you afterward, uh, maybe you're on your way to work on Monday. Uh, Hopefully you're listening to it and not watching it. Uh, Pray that it blesses you as well. Um, So if you think about uh, sit down and and process the last 12 months. Anybody done that yet? Of course not. Why would we want to? Some of us have. Okay. Okay. you sit down, you, you process the last 12 months, and we've been through quite a bit. Um, you know, 12 months ago or so, we started to hear rumblings of this mysterious virus that was uh, in the world. Uh, we, were, we were having wildfires, and then we were on lockdown. Most, most, basically all of the world was under lockdown. And then we had fears of economic uh, collapse, not knowing what the economy is going to do. Well, we saw racial tension rise up and continue to go on. Uh, we've seen political division. And, you know, on our daily lives, we experience media pundits, politicians, and just our general social media feed uh, pile on fear after fear after fear. And we are here today, and we experienced this, what happened this week, and many of us, we watched in horror of what was happening as our Capitol building was overrun. And a lot of us, we probably experienced something over the last 12 months uh, that we would probably characterize as anxiety, where sometimes uh, you, you experience it in your body, where uh, you, you feel tense, you feel shortness of breath. Uh, maybe you're even dealing with some headaches and, and just some tenseness. Your shoulders are always tight. Uh, and, and that was probably what we experienced when we saw what was happening on Wednesday when uh, our, our, our hearts started to race, our, our blood pressure rose, and we were witnessing all of that happening. And as we process that, what I would like for us to do today is to pray. And I want us to do this in a little bit of a different way um, than maybe you have ever before. Uh, for some liturgical churches, they do this every week. And what we're going to do is I'm going to read some, some verses um, from Jesus' prayer before he was arrested. He prayed uh, for this, for his followers, and he's praying it for us. And so we're going to ask Jesus to lead us in a prayer, and then we're going to have a little bit of a back and forth. So I'm going to say a phrase uh, as we're praying together, uh, Lord, in your mercy, and, and when I say that, you're going to say back to me, hear our prayer, okay? A little bit of uh, back and forth as we communally, co- corporately pray together uh, to have unity as the church and to ask God to intervene on our behalf in this world, okay? Sound good? John chapter 17 is what I'm going to read. And so if you would, right now, just take on whatever posture you uh, take on right now for prayer. Um, And we're going to have Jesus start this prayer. This is what he said. So let's pray. Jesus says, I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. May they all be one, as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. 
may they also be in us, so that the world may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me, so that they may be made completely one, that the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given to me to be with me where I am, so that they will see my glory, which you have given me, because you loved me before the world's foundation. Righteous Father, the world has not known you. However, I have known you, and they have known that you sent me. I made your name known to them and will continue to make it known, so that the love you have loved me with may be in them and I may be in them. Father, we we echo the prayer that Jesus prayed for us, that we would be one. God, we know in a world uh, that is full of chaos, uh, what you want your church to be is a place of refuge. That we would be unified even through our diversity. God, would you comfort our hearts as we are considering what the future holds? We don't know, but we know that you know. Lord, in your mercy. Father, as we uh, consider the world around us, the, the people who need you, um, God, we are, we are filled, with, uh, filled in a world um, surrounded by a world who doesn't know you largely. And God, we want people to know you. We want people to know you because we know that knowing you is the path to life. God, would you equip us? Would you give us boldness and courage to love people in the way that Jesus loved us? Lord, in your mercy. Father, as we are processing uh, the world around us, the division, the hatred, the divide, not only in our country, but in this world. God, would you give us wisdom? Would we be able to be the followers of Jesus who follow you, no matter what that looks like? Jesus, you are king. Remind our hearts of that. Lord, in your mercy. We love you, Lord Jesus. Would you speak through me today? Would you open up our hearts to see what you want us to see? We love you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. So today, as we go into week number two of the series called Emotions, where we're looking at how do we engage our emotions, we're going to talk about anxiety. Now, anxiety is complex. It happens uh, physiologically. Uh, You can oftentimes experience it in your body. You notice it. It's not just something you feel with your with your heart or with your mind, but you notice it. It can cause ulcers. It can cause uh, headaches. It can cause tightness. It can cause shortness of breath. You feel it when you feel anxiety. But anxiety is not just physiological. It is psychological and emotional And it's also spiritual. Now, before we get into this, I want to make sure that I put uh, this on the table, uh, that that what we're going to be talking about today 
is, is not the end-all, be-all conversation about anxiety. You see, anxiety can come from events or situations, but it can also come from the way our bodies are. And so what I want to make sure everyone understands is not, I'm not the authority on anxiety, okay? I don't ever claim to be. Uh, but there may be some steps in addition to what we're going to talk about today that you may need to take if you are suffering from anxiety, particularly extreme. You, you may need to make a call that I've made before, and that is to go see a counselor, to help them, to give them an opportunity to help process what you are feeling. Uh, you may need to go see a doctor and, and, and make an appointment, and they may recommend that you change something about your diet or take some supplements or even to have some medication, because sometimes when you're dealing with anxiety that is overwhelming, you are not able to uh, kind of deal with it in a way that what we're going to talk about today, you need some help in trying to get it to a point where you can start to see it for what it is. Uh, so I just want to make sure that everyone understands that from the outset that this is not the end conversation. This is not the end of it, but it can be the beginning of it. And, you know, I think probably uh, some of us, when we, thought, when we think about anxiety or any kind of negative emotion, negative feeling, we start to ask the question, and maybe you've asked this question, is it sinful to feel anxious? Is it sinful to deal with anxiety? And I would say no. In fact, what we're going to look at today is a moment where Jesus himself was experiencing anxiety. Jesus. Now, it's just like what Scripture says, and we'll be talking about this next week, is in your anger, do not sin. Well, in your anxiety, do not sin. It's, it's all connected. And so here's what we end up doing oftentimes is we look at uh, our negative feelings as this, as this sin that's in our life, when in fact, instead of that, it is a warning sign. It's like, you remember uh, when, you know, in the springtime when we get some crazy weather and the National Emergency Service, the weather uh, people, they, they buzz your phone and on the TV, it's like, meep, meep, meep. This is an emergency. This is not a test. Go to your basement. You know, like <laughs> there's a tornado coming. It's a warning. It's saying, hey, something in your life that is important, that you do value, may be under attack or you sense that it is. And so it's something to pay attention. Church, we need not ignore our emotions. Our emotions are not bad. But we need to engage with them. Cool? Sound good? Okay. So Mark chapter 14 is where we're going to be. Uh, Jesus is in uh, a, a place called Gethsemane. So before Jesus gets to this point, before Mark 14... Uh, verse 32, where we're going to be. Before that, Jesus is having a meal with his disciples. And in that moment, uh, one of his disciples, one of his closest friends, betrays him. Betrays him for some money. For some money. So Judas leaves. And as Jesus and the rest of the disciples later leave, they go up to a place called the Garden of Gethsemane. And this is the place that is the precursor to Jesus being arrested. This is the scene. But before that happens, Jesus is experiencing anxiety, he's experiencing anguish, and we're going to learn from him on how he handled that. So Mark 14 is where we are. So verse 32, this is what Mark records. Then they came to a place named Gethsemane, and he told his disciples, sit here while I pray. So he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. 
He said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake. Let's stop there. So, so Jesus has his crew, his now 11 people with him. And he tells them, hey, I'm going to go pray. Um, y'all stay here. But then what does he do? Uh, he brings his homeboys with him. Peter, James, and John. They're Jesus' homeboys. Twitter bio, that's on there, you know. And so they go with Jesus to another place, a little bit further away. And, and Jesus starts to experience and to express the emotions that he's dealing with. What does he say? He began to be deeply distressed and troubled. Anybody ever felt deeply distressed and troubled? Yeah. So he's, he's beginning to feel that. So this is not something he's revealed yet. He's feeling it. And then he said to them. So again, this is just the three. He looks at them and says, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. I mean, have you ever been there? When everything around you just feels so overwhelming that you don't know what to do, your emotions are so overwhelming that you feel like you could die. Jesus was there too. And why was he there? Because he was anticipating what was going to happen. The thing he was going to go and do. And so Jesus didn't like, you know, push his emotions in the sand and say, oh, I shouldn't feel that. I'm not going to deal with that. No, he looked at his friends and guess what he did? He talked to his friends about what he was experiencing. Jesus, fully God, fully man. When he was experiencing anxiety and anguish, deeply distressed to the point of death, what did he do? He spoke those feelings to his friends. This is why Christ-centered community is so important. It's what we need. If Jesus needed to speak to his friends about what he was experiencing, don't we? Probably a safe bet, right? It's probably a safe bet that when we're going through what we're going through, we need to go to a person and share it with them. But oftentimes, anxiety tempts us uh, to, to do one of two things. What I do, this is just me. What I tend to do is I will clam up and go away and, and avoid people and I just kind of get introspective and lost in my head, lost in my thoughts, and, and that's where I stay. Just right up here. Just right up here. Uh, you, can, you can notice it. I just look like i got a fog all over me. And, and the idea of going to someone else and talking about it, no, no, I'm not going to do that. Or, so that's one extreme. So anxiety drives us to relational extremes. So we either go away and we try to ignore it or we try to deal with it on our own. Or we go to the other path and where we go to, uh, we look to a person for validation, for affirmation, to make us feel better. Right? And so we have two ends of the spectrum and then we have Jesus where he, he looks at his friends and he doesn't look at them as if they're going to solve his emotions. They're going to take it away. No, he looks at them and he shares with them so that they can be invited to bear the burden with him. Did you catch that? There's a distinction there. He wasn't looking to them to make himself feel better, but he was looking to them say, hey, I'm dealing with this. Can you pray with me? Jesus knew that in his moment of anxiety, he shouldn't be alone. He needed to share. He needed to have somebody with him to share in that experience. So what Jesus shows us is that we need healthy community. 
We need healthy community. We need people in our lives who can drive us to Jesus, who can point us to him when we are feeling anxious, when we are feeling down, when we are feeling overwhelmed. We need someone in our life. We need people in our life who love us enough to sit with us, to bear the burdens we deal with. And, and by the way, this is why we're so big on community groups, which, which started last week, by the way. And you, if you're not in one, you can get in one and just get, up, get in touch with us. We'll, we'll get you in one. Because we need people around us to bear the burdens that we have. Because last time I checked, I don't know about you, uh, I'm pretty sure that you are not that swole, that your shoulders are not strong enough to bear the burdens that you oftentimes deal with. You know what I'm saying? You didn't do that many military presses. Nope. But Jesus did. And he is capable of bearing it. And the people around you... You give them an opportunity to experience a blessing when they bear your burdens. You see, what Jesus shows us too, I don't want us to miss this, is that feeling bad isn't bad. Feeling bad isn't bad. In fact, some of us, we need to feel bad more. Why? Because we are surrounded by a world that's full of evil, that's full of suffering, that's full of pain. It's full of idolatry, full of lies. And if we look at the world as it is and we see it for as it is and we don't mourn, then we're not having the heart of God toward the world. See, there's a book, an entire book, not called Joy in the Bible, but called Lamentations. You know what that is? Lamentations? Lament. Crying out. And so, like, in our culture today, we have an aversion to being uh, someone who feels bad. We think it's something wrong with us. When, in fact, uh, when we feel bad at things that God feels bad about, we are having the heart of God in that moment. So, so Scripture says there's a time to mourn and a time to dance. There's a time to weep and a time to laugh. There's a time for us to weep. Jesus wept. There's a time for us to mourn. Why? Because there's a lot of evil out there. And if we just say, oh, I'm just going to ignore it, I'm going to keep to myself, then we're not having the heart of God toward that thing. We're not saying that we need to uh, act like we can solve it because we can't, but we know the one who can. And so when we see suffering, the right response is to lament at that suffering and to seek justice, to do good. And so feeling bad isn't bad. Jesus felt bad. But feeling bad is not the end of the story. Just simply taking those emotions to someone else isn't the end of the story. Jesus shows us another step, another place that we need to go. So he goes on, uh, Mark in his account, uh, in verse 35, says, He went a little farther. Some of us in our emotions, when we're experiencing anxiety, when we're experiencing distress, we need to take it a little farther. We need to go a little bit farther. We need to not stop at just trying to figure it out for ourselves or just looking to other people to fix it. We need to go a little bit farther. What did he do? He fell to the ground and prayed. This is so simple. Prayed. He fell to the ground and prayed. If it were possible, the hour might pass from him. This is, this is Jesus pleading with the Father. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. You've got it all in your hands. You are so powerful. Take this cup away from me. And we can read the next sentence real quick. But can you imagine Jesus? Like Mark is, is summarizing what was happening. 
Jesus is in deep anguish. He's, 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 he's perspirating blood. He is, he is hurting. He is anticipating the suffering that he's about to have. This cup, what does he mean? The cup of wrath that God's going to pour out on him. Why? Because he's putting on himself all of the sins, all of the shame, all the pain of human beings from the beginning of time to the end of time. He's putting that on himself. And so he's anticipating what that's going to be. He's like, can you, can you just please take this cup away from me? And then he says, nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. He doesn't have his anguish. He doesn't have his deep distress have the last word. He hands it over to God. But, I mean, you can't miss this, the, the amount of emotion. Like, sometimes our emotions drain us so much physically that we feel like we don't have any physical strength. It's because that's real. That actually happens. And so Jesus doesn't even like trying to kind of easily go down to the ground, but he, he brings his 33-year-old self down to the ground, fell to the ground, and starts to pray. He starts to take his emotions to God. But what we often do, instead of leaving our emotions and then taking our emotions and placing them in God's hands, not necessarily leaving them there, but engaging with God in that process of God, here's what I'm feeling and here's how I, I'm here. I'm pouring my heart out. What we often tend to do is we start to seek out safety, control, or certainty. A lot of times all three of those. And, and that's not a bad thing. That's a natural response. When we're faced with uh, warning signs of something being uh, maybe a, a threat, then, then we should seek safety. Like, that makes sense, right? Proverbs actually says in uh, chapter 22, verse 3, a sensible person sees danger and takes cover. That makes sense, right? But the inexperienced keep going and are punished. It's not bad to seek after safety, control, and certainty. But what we oftentimes do when we are seeking after those things is we look inward for those things. If I can just, if I can just manipulate this, if I can just do this, if I can make sure that this person says this and I can go do that, we try and start to scheme and manipulate and we try to make it to where we can uh, manufacture our own safety, our own sense of control, and our own sense of certainty when in fact we're not in control, we don't know certain what's, the, what's to come, and we can't at the end of the day make a fortress strong enough for us to feel 100% safe and actually be 100% safe, but... We do know the one who has all control in his hands, who knows what the future is coming. He is certain. He knows it. He's there. And we can seek under him, his refuge. We can seek safety. That's not saying that our tendency to react is bad. But that is saying that we need to not stop there about looking to ourselves for those things. We need to look ultimately to God. Because he's the one who can actually give us safety. So what Jesus shows us is that when you are feeling like the world is crashing in on you, when you are feeling like you uh, don't have anywhere else to go, you can turn to the God who knows you, who loves you, who gave himself for you, and you can find refuge there. That may not take all the feelings away. Understand this. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm not saying is that you just go to God and, and you pray. You spend five seconds praying, five minutes praying, five hours praying. And then all of a sudden you just feel great. 
Oftentimes, that's not what happens. Oftentimes, God's going to meet you and engage with you in the midst of your emotions. Why? So that you can draw closer to Him, grow independence of Him, and you can get closer to your Heavenly Father. But what we need not do is to look to ourselves to try and handle the things we're going through. In fact, Paul uh, in Philippians says basically the same thing of what Jesus did. He's echoing this kind of sentiment. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. It says, don't worry about anything. Anybody know that that's not super easy? Anybody able to write those words on a piece of paper? Type it up on your phone? You can raise your hand because you know how to do this. Come on, little... You can write these words, yes? You can say them. How many of you know it's not easy? But he says, don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, this is the promise that comes with us, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So this is, this is the journey I've been on to try and learn what that means. Don't worry about anything but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Uh, make your request known to God. Like That's been something I've been living. If you've ever dealt with some anxiety or some moments of hardship uh, the last you know few months, that's been me. I've been trying to work through what does that mean. And oftentimes, I've told you this before, but I'm going to just say it again because it's been so helpful to me, that oftentimes we get into a bad rut when we take the things that we cannot control and we start to put them on our own uh, shoulders as if we could control them. And we look to ourselves to try and solve it. And instead, what we need to do is to take the things that we cannot control, that we have no control over, and bring them to God and say, God, this is you. Like, I don't have the shoulders for this. I, I know that I'm, I'm worried about this. I know that I'm, I'm stressing about this. I, I need you to take this and to rightly recognize what are our responsibilities and what are our concerns that we cannot control? We take the concerns to God and say, God, you please deal with this. We take our responsibilities and say, God, please, through your spirit, work through me to be able to do what I need to do, uh, to, to love you, to love people, to be wise, to be courageous, to be bold. But at the end of the day, God, please work through me on the things that I can have an impact on. And please take the things that I can't. I don't know. But you do. And so Paul says, hey, if, if you are worried about something, then engage God with those worries. Don't let them just stay in your head. Don't let yourself go to the corner and, and put in the fetal position and just be there. Don't stop there. Feel it. I get that. But please go to someone just like Jesus did. And then take that to God. And the promise is that will experience the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, that will guard our hearts and minds in Him. Now, some of you have gone through some stuff. Some of you have gone through some anxious moments, sometimes debilitating. Sometimes you're completely overwhelmed. And, and you have a testimony where God met you in that, and He provided you peace that you couldn't explain. Maybe it didn't last forever, but you had those moments where you, you recognize, wow, God can give me some peace in the midst of impossible circumstances. 
And the reason we encourage us to be in Christ-centered community and why I believe uh, Jesus set the church up that way and, and why God's word encourages us to do this is because our testimony can be a blessing in someone else's life who's dealing with that same thing that we used to deal with. God's story of delivering you through hard times is an opportunity to bless someone else who's going through that thing too. Where you can connect with them on an emotional level and say, hey, I, I, I've been through something like that too and I know how much that hurt for me. And I can't imagine how you're probably feeling like this. Like I, I know that you're dealing with a lot. I don't know exactly what you feel right now, but I'm here with you. And then we can be the people who drive them and, and point them to God. So if you feel flooded with anxiety, so simple, so simple, but it's something we often don't do, pour out your heart to your Heavenly Father. If you feel flooded with anxiety, start there. Start there. Pour out your heart to your Heavenly Father. Start there. Again, this is not the end-all, be-all conversation about anxiety, but start there. I don't know about you, but it's easy for me to be like going through some stuff and I'm like, I got to figure this out. I got to make a 10-point plan. I got to figure out what to do and how to do it. And I'm like, oh yeah, I should probably pray about that a day later. Anybody else? Oh yeah, I should probably bring God into this situation. He kind of is a big deal. But I, it's, it's, it's easier said than done. But let me give you, I want to just give you some practical tools, okay? So make this really practical um, on, on how to engage our anxiety while engaging God in the process, okay? You guys with me? Okay, all right, cool. A few of you are, cool. This is all, again, from uh, the book Untangled Emotions. I've found that very helpful. Uh, they're, they're, they say four steps, four kind of elements of engaging your emotions. And so we're going to walk through this, what that looks like to engage our anxiety. So the first thing is to identify. Uh, what we oftentimes do is some of us, we ignore, we put some sand over it, and we're like, that's, we don't need to talk about that. We'll just put it under the rug. We'll put it in the corner. Don't ever, no one look at the corner. It's a mess, which back there is a little bit of a mess. That's why the thing's there, just so you know. Uh, don't look over there. Let's just not talk about it. But what they're saying is don't, don't do that. Don't ignore it. Uh, recognize that we need to notice it and identify what's happening. So a lot of times when we deal with anxiety, again, you feel it in the body. You, you notice it. Shortness of breath, stress, tense shoulders, uh, headaches. A lot of things can, can happen when you are feeling anxiety. So notice what's happening in your body. Don't ignore it. A lot of us, we need to pay attention more to what's happening in our body. The, the second part of this is uh, we may, when we're feeling anxious, go into some behavior patterns where we're starting to go down a route where we're either checking something incessantly and we just keep keep checking it because we're worried about something or or it's kind of our own semblance of control. An extreme form of this is OCD. Uh, a lot of us do this on some level, though, where we're just checking something, checking email, checking uh, if that person texted us back uh, right away, and, and just we're worried about those things. We need, need to pay attention. Some of us, we, we uh, ask what-if questions all the time. What if this happens? What if, what if that happens? Uh, what if, what if this occurs? Uh, what if in a week we experience this? What happens in what if? And so if you start to ask those what if questions quite a bit, pay attention. 
The, the second step, so first one, identify. Second one, examine. So now we're going to start. Okay, now we kind of have some kind of idea about what it is. That's a hard thing to do, trying to identify our emotions because why? We're, we're a stew of emotions because we're a stew of experiences and we don't always know exactly what's happening. But we're trying to identify uh, what it is. Now we're going to start to examine it. We're going to start to ask some questions. What, what situations do I usually experience this in? Is there a certain place that I experience this? Is it because I go to this place? I mean, some people, uh, because maybe they lost a loved one and a funeral happened in a church, they can't come to church. Why? Because they feel so much overwhelming anxiety about coming into a building like this. Uh, is, it, is it maybe not a place, but maybe it's some people. Maybe someone hurt you in the past and you being around them makes you anxious. And, and that's for good reason. Again, our anxiety is a warning sign that something's not right. We should pay attention to it. So it's a, it's a reasonable response. If you had some kind of pain that was caused to you by someone, that you would feel anxious around them. Uh, maybe it's a time. Maybe it's a certain time of the year, right? Like maybe, maybe it's in the wintertime and, and you recognize that. There's a thing for that. It's seasons. When it's dark and gloomy, sometimes our moods change with that. Is it an activity? Like we go and do something specific and that brings back some anxiety. Uh, just pay attention. Examine it. What are you doing about it? This is where we're questioning like, okay, how do I usually cope? How do I make myself feel better? Some, some of us, we self-medicate, right? We, we try and uh, get lost in something. We try and escape into video games or social media feeds or YouTube videos or shows or movies. A lot of things that are, you know, really amoral, but we can go to them as if they are going to solve it. Uh, are, are we going through rabbit trails of thoughts, like where we just we get lost in our heads? Do we become irritable? A lot of us, we, we can go there, right, when we're feeling anxious. And then we can ask the question, what's important right now? When, when I'm feeling that, what's really important? Because what's important may be a sign to you of the source of your anxiety. The third thing to do is to evaluate. So we've, we've identified, we examined, we checked it out. We're trying to start to ask some questions. And now we're evaluating. And what we're evaluating is our response to it. And, and here's, here's the thing. Some of us, when we're feeling this way, we uh, have a response that is less than godly, right? Anybody been there? Something to keep in mind, when you have a response that is not godly, that does not diminish or discount the possible legitimacy of your feelings, of the source, of the value, of the reason why you're feeling that way. Just because you have a sinful response doesn't mean that the thing that you're uh, responding to was sinful. It just means that maybe in your anger you did sin. In your anxiety you did sin. It just means that. And so now we can start to evaluate, how did I respond to that? Is it bad? Was it, was it something that would be godly? And we just start to ask that question. And then some of the other questions we can start to ask of the anxiety that we're feeling is, how likely will this happen? How, how likely is it? I don't know about you, but there's been a lot of things I've worried about that never came to pass. Assumptions I've made. How likely is that to happen? You may be worrying about something that's pretty likely. Or you may be worrying about something that's totally unlikely. And you just start to ask those questions. How does God see this situation? 
Would God say, hey, the thing you're worried about right now is a good, it's a good thing to, to have as a value. It's a good thing to uh, care about. Or would he say, hey, you're elevating something that doesn't need to be elevated to this level. And then in the same way, has, has maybe a healthy value in your life, has something that uh, is important to you, that's good to, to see as important, has that maybe turned into an idol? And that's a hard question. Because that's some heart searching. And then the last step is to act. And what that looks like, it depends. There's no easy five-step thing on what to do that would cover every single moment of anxiety you've ever experienced or you will experience. But some, some simple practices, and again, this is not the end, question, end conversation. One thing that we can do is to fill our hearts, fill our soul, fill our mind with the truth of Scripture. Why? Because then we have a place to go to remind us of what is true about us, about the world, about who God is, about what he's doing, about the fact that he's going to come back and make all things new. Another thing, what, what Jesus showed us, right? We can, we can enter into Christ-centered community where we can share what we're going through with someone. We can resist the temptation to hold it in because the only person that's hurting is yourself. If you don't let it out, then you're not going to be able to get anything, any help from someone. And there will be someone in your life who can help you. And then you can go to God with it. And just a real practical thing, while you're praying, uh, slow down your breathing. A lot of times when we're feeling anxious, we need to slow down. Because sometimes what we do, I don't know about you, but it's easy to start getting into, remember, we're seeking safety, control, certainty. So we, we start going to things that we can control. We start trying to get real busy. If I just stay busy enough, I don't have to worry about it. If I just can control this little thing, and that's not bad, but we need to not just stop there. We need to go to God. And, and so we start to go to all these little things that we can try and control, that we can try and manipulate, that we can try and make sure that we have our stamp on it. When what we need to be doing is to say, God, here's what my tendency is. This is what I'm trying to do. But God, I'm pouring out my heart to you. This is what I want to do. But I know that you have it all in your hands. And we go to him in prayer. We slow down our breathing. We slow down our lives so that we can engage him with our emotions. And at the end of the day, we have to choose trust in the fact that God is with us and that he is working things out for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. And guys, this is much easier to talk about than to live through. I know that. But what I've experienced in my life is that God is faithful and that sometimes we go through things that we don't have the tools to go through on our own. And so I learned this past fall that I needed to make a call to someone who had the ability to help me because it was more than what I knew how to deal with and it was probably more than what other people around me knew how to deal with in a healthy way. And that is I called a counselor. It's not wrong to call a counselor. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. 
Why? Because you are recognizing that you need help. And that is humility. And that is strength. And so you might be going through something right now where you don't have the tools to go through it. Like the things I just talked about, that just seems way overwhelming. That just seems like it's going to be adding to it. You might need to go and see someone who can help you. See, this is the thing. And for those of you who maybe have someone in your life who is experiencing some of this, um, I was reminded this past week uh, of the story in Job where dude lost everything. All his kids, all his, his, his livestock. I mean, the devil left his wife. That's kind of funny. Uh, if you think about it, I'm just kidding. That was a bad joke. Um, I'm sure she was nice. We read that she's not, but whatever. Um, so he lost everything, dealing with so much deep pain. And he has his friends meet him. And they sit with him for days as he's grieving. And that seemed to be a very productive time for him. They didn't say anything. They just kept their mouths shut. But they were there with him. And then things went wrong when they started talking. So sometimes when we are around someone who's dealing with a lot of stuff, a lot of emotional things, one of the best things we can do is to just be there. To just be there. Your, your eloquent wisdom may not be needed yet. You may just need to sit and embrace the silence that needs to happen. And for those of us who are dealing with some anxiety, again, you, you may need to make a call to a counselor. You may need to make a call to a doctor. Because sometimes the, the feelings we deal with are so overwhelming that we don't have the, uh, the, the, mental bandwidth or space to even engage in some of these things. And so you may need to have some medicine prescribed. You may need to have some changes in your diet or supplements or, or something. You may need to go to someone who understands what you need. But again, if you want to find relief from anxiety, it has to start with pouring out your heart to God. You have to identify, you have to recognize that it's happening. No more ignoring. We don't have to do that anymore. Again, it's not bad to feel bad. And I know me saying that a couple times in a sermon is not going to get that through your head, but I pray that the Holy Spirit will just drill that deep into your heart and take that where you just remind yourself that you don't have to pour shame on the negative feelings that you're feeling. You can go to Him with it. If you need to talk, I'm, I'm available. You can call me, you can text me, you can come in and talk. Don't go through anxiety alone. And, and just remember this, and I'll leave you with this. Jesus loves you. He loves you to the point where uh, you were really, really important to him and are still. Why? Because he knew that the anguish he was dealing with was the prospect of the mission that he came to do. And that was to save each one of you. To welcome you into his family. And so he knew that he was going to enter into your pain. He knew that he was going to enter into your sin. Enter into all the stuff that you've ever done that has caused you to feel the things that you feel. And all the things that other people have done to you or around you that have caused you to feel the things that you're feeling. 
And he said, you know what? I love you so very much that even though I'm dealing with deep anguish to the point of death, I'm going to take my life and make it a sacrifice so that you can live in freedom. There will be a day in time. There will be a day in time when all the negative emotions we deal with will be done away with. Why? Because we will no longer be on this earth filled with sin. We will be in a new heaven and a new earth where everything is made new. No more pain, no more tears, no more uh, shame, no more guilt. Why? Because all of that will be wiped away. But right now, we have a God who's with us right now. He identified with the things that you've uh, dealt with. He knows what you're going through. He's with you and he's available anytime, any place, any moment of your life to hear you pour your heart out to him. If you just spend any time reading the Psalms, maybe that's what you can do this week. Read some of the Psalms. And what you'll see is that from the beginning of time to today, all throughout history, God's people have also dealt with difficult moments. God's people have lamented. They poured their heart out to God. And sometimes they were angry at him. And yet they still brought it to him. And so it doesn't matter what you're feeling, go to him with it. Go to him with it. Pour out your heart. And he is the gracious father who will listen to you and comfort you and love you. And again, maybe you need to make another call too. Someone who can help you go through that together. Church, would you stand? We're going to sing and pray out to our awesome God. to you knowing that this world uh, is filled with troubles and it's filled with uh, things that can make us anxious, things that can make us worried, things that can make us troubled. But God, would you please remind us that you are good and faithful and you love us and you're with us. God, that you've equipped people in our lives, people in this world who can help us, who can give us tools to go through what it is we're going through, to help us be in a place where we can engage you with what we're going through. God, would you please give us an awareness, a healthy awareness of what we're feeling. God, help us to fight the temptation of ignoring it. God, help us to see that if we continue to ignore it, it'll just continue to build. God, maybe just... Maybe just drive us to to open up a conversation with someone. And God, give them the words to, to say back to us, to encourage us. Give them the ear to hear. And God, we know that you are there and available, but God, make our first reaction when we're experiencing some kind of emotion to bring that emotion to you. Whether, if it's praise, if it's, if it's gladness and joy, let's, help us turn it into praise. If it's anxiety and worry, God, help us turn that into a prayer to you. God, help us. We need you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.